0: Hey everyone, this is the Love of Cinema Podcast. We like to talk movies. If you like to talk movies too, you come to the right place.
1: What is this guy going to look like? And I had a photograph of Jack Nicholson from Pledge. And I showed ah, him that. Okay. And I, I'm doing this film.
0: <laughs> that had him sold. Right? Yeah. Welcome, folks. My name is Aman Shoo. And you're listening to the Love of Cinema podcast. Almost a decade ago, I watched an Indian television show that has stayed with me till day. You would guess that it must have been a special show for it to have stayed with me for such a long time. And you would be right. Not just for me, but for many, this television show remains landmark Indian television. That show was Powder, a procedural crime drama. A quick intro to Powder for those who are not familiar with the show. Powder aired on Indian television in 2010, so it's almost a decade old, but in ways more than one, it was ahead of its time, and holds up like a champ even today. I know I'm gushing about Powder, but I don't mind gushing about a good show. It's a path-breaking series. If you haven't watched it, I highly recommend it it's available on Netflix. It's nuanced, it's layered, and from the very first episode, you can tell that it's something special. It's unlike anything you have seen before in Hindi, at least as far as television is concerned. Another thing which I love about Powder is that it's not a wannabe riff on Narcos, The Wire, or any other American show. It is a show deeply rooted in the milieu of the world whose story is being told. It is gritty, and rings true to the backdrop of the show. Powder was created by Atul Sabarwal. For our very first podcast episode, we decided to explore writer-director Atul Sabarwal's work. Besides Powder, we are going to talk about his gritty action drama Aurangzeb and his lovely short Midnight Lost and Found. Sabarwal has also written a couple of movies for Ram Gopal Verma. He wrote 2005's crime thriller My Wife's Murder and co-wrote 2003's horror anthology, Darnamana Hai. He has also made a rather personal documentary, wonderfully titled In Their Shoes. I, for one, feel he's one of the most gifted storytellers working in Hindi today. He's up there with Vishal Bharadwaj, Shri Ram Raghavan, Zoya Akhtar, and, of course, Anurag Kashyap. Just powder on its own should earn while a place in the conversation around some of the best screenwriting in Hindi in the past 10 years. We're going to dive deep into his works with a special guest we have today. And that special guest is none other than Atul himself. Atul and I had planned to chat around 45 minutes, but we ended up chatting for over 90 minutes. In this episode, we'll be bringing you part one of our wide-ranging chat. Part two will be carried in the next episode of the podcast, which will come out next week. So let's get right to it. Here's part one of my chat with Atul Sabarwal. Hey, Atul.
1: Hi, Manju, How are you?
0: Hey, I'm doing well. Hey, so first of all, thanks a lot for uh, coming on our podcast. And as a longtime fan of the show Powder, uh, this is uh, very exciting that I'm getting a chance to talk with you today. My pleasure. So we'll dive right in. Uh, but just before we do that, and we'll start talking about uh, powder first, and then we'll go on from there. But before that, if you could please um, give us a little background as to, um, I understand you're originally from Agra, and how right. you
1: landed up in Mumbai uh, to tell stories.
0: Um,
1: I didn't land because I didn't arrive on a flight. I came by a train. Okay. from. But um, I went to... Uh, it's just like how any other person who has uh, aspirations of working in the film industry lands up in Bombay that, you know, you, and that was the time when there was no digital cameras or YouTube or anything. So you had to come to the town to, you know, start working the, in the movies because that's right. where the industry was. And yeah. So one day I just decided and I came in terms of, uh, Preparing myself, so my education was not in films or arts. I was studying to become a chartered accountant because I had graduated in commerce. Okay, and then one day I decided I could not do it anymore in you know with pleasure. So, so I enrolled for a small course in uh, Noida, which was uh, just a three-month, you know appreciation course kind of a thing but more importantly what i uh, when i look back what i feel the right thing that i did was that i enrolled with uh, mr barry john for oh, acting right. okay purely purely to you know learn how to direct actors while being while he is directing me so you know just put yourself in actors shoes sure that was the uh, i think looking back was a good decision you know because i always had that Uh, a silly confidence of that one has in the early 20s that I can handle everything (laughs) except that I don't know how to handle the human resource and uh, I had seen this interview of because you know in the 90s there was this movie called Bandit Queen and I had seen uh, Shekhar Kapoor's interview on that and for some strange reason I used to follow Shekhar Kapoor a lot uh, okay. followers and not on twitter because there was nothing but just uh, interviews because uh, you know somewhere again the charted around and who became a filmmaker that was just the silly notion so he spoke at length about how he uh, you know connected on a psychological level with his actors how he prepared them you know there was a whole lot of talk about psychology and i realized oh this this uh esoteric stuff i don't know so i better join some you know, right. good acting classes, which are related to drama, which are related to philosophy, which are related to personality, not just the acting courses which happen in Bombay, which are about the mainstream films. Right. And and Barry was the person who, you know, I think brought something out in me as uh, I was hoping for. And I I also submitted myself to the classes, you know, more wholeheartedly than I had ever submitted to any teacher in my life oh wow okay
0: and this was uh during the, the 90s so?
1: no so this was uh 2000
0: 2000 yeah oh 2000 okay and now uh Atul, let's just dive into powder there's so much i want to talk about this show by the way i'm a big time fan i love this show I think it's, um, it's it's really special, um, uh, if I may say so, in my humble opinion. I think it's the world standard as far as uh, Hindi television or streaming shows are concerned. When it comes to crime drama, or just uh, just in general, I think this is a landmark in Indian television. And I'm so glad that people are now discovering this on YouTube and Netflix. Uh, so many people who had not even heard about the show, and I see your retweets and everything. It's it's uh, it's great to see that. So I started watching Powder once again uh, for this interview uh, as part of my research. And there's just so much going in. I mean, right in from the pilot episode, um, you know, at the very core, we know that it's a story of uh, the Narcotics uh, Control Bureau, which is trying to nab a drug lord. But uh, there are so many uh, different threads to it. Uh, there is a buddy cop thread between uh, Mahindra and Kartik. Uh, It touches upon the inter-bureau kind of a song and dance and the rivalry and how that works out. Uh, It was very interesting that it's, uh, I mean, this show came out in 2010, right? And it kind of touched on uh, Me Too back then um, through Brinda's character. I mean, she's, um, you know, facing harassment at her work. Uh, She's also kind of battling sexist, uh, chauvinistic kind of old school mindset of her um, partners at work. So, it touches on upon so many things in the first episode itself. Uh, my first question to you on Powder is, um, how did the show come about? Like, what were you thinking about when you sat down to write this show?
1: Uh, so, I mean, it has had a curious journey because the show came to me as a writing assignment in 2001 through a company called balaji telesoft and there was this uh, mr rajat sen gupta who was ex-hmv you know and what was running balaji telesoft at that point and they wanted to do a show on narcotics control bureau and they brought me in as writer and shivam nair was supposed to direct it and i think we did a pilot which is roughly the pilot uh, that you see now with you know some changes here and there but essentially the meat of it was still the same and when we pitched it to Star Plus they you know had a show on called Sanjeevni which was doing very well on the channel and right, right. so they said that you know we are doing a doctor's show but it's not so seeped into the research as your material is. So for example, why can't your officers play Antakshri, you know, song and dance? <laughs> that kind of thing. And the production house wanted me to revise it. I sort of didn't agree to that. We parted ways and then uh I kept reading books. I kept gathering material, not very actively though, because then I started writing movies which went into production and then I started um uh, you know actively pursuing the script which I wanted to direct and that was in the talks with several production houses and with one of the lead actors at that time Abhay Deol. So Powder was on the backseat until uh, I got a call from uh, Ravina Kohli from Yash that they were starting a, a division within YRF which will be called YRF TV and they want to do shows. Uh, which will be like hbo shows and have that kind of ambition and all that and i said i've heard that so many times yeah i mean they meant what they said and uh, i started writing it and it took a year and a half to just flesh that thing out which was the pilot which existed and the character notes and all that but it changed drastically from the core idea so i think what what 3, telesoft had wanted to do was something like episodic cid per episode change the stories just have a squad and yeah, what I, I was looking more as you know an overall arc of the thing you know, which right. is like one continuous story done over 13 episodes or 26 episodes so it changed drastically from what It was intended to, but yeah, the first time I came to know of Narcotics Control Bureau was uh, through that offer, which had come my way.
0: Got it. And uh, were you guys, uh, did you guys have anyone from that bureau, uh, uh, like as a consultant? Yes,
1: of course, of course. So in the first phase, they had uh, taken me to the Narcotics Control Bureau in Bombay, but when the show didn't happen, you know, those... uh, Contacts got dissipated with just some initial conversation. But when YRF picked it up, so I touched base again with those officers and some of them had moved out of the bureau, but some of them were still in there. And uh, and they were just happy to talk about and share their own personal experiences uh, within the department and outside. And uh, yeah, so that's how it started evolving. And then the ex-superintendent, when we started the production also, came on board as the consultant oh nice yeah i mean
0: you can tell uh, when you're watching that uh, you know there there is a lot of research that has gone behind it and um, it makes perfect sense that you guys were so close with some of the people from the bureau themselves um, i want to talk about the main characters of powder uh, but before that uh, can you touch upon the casting for the show and how you zeroed in uh, on the lead
1: Uh, Which which among the leads? Because in a show there are so many. Uh, uh,
0: uh, Essentially, everyone uh, from um, um, like Usman's team, and of course, uh, uh, Three Party. Uh, Can we start with uh, Three Party first? Uh,
1: So you know, I had a very interesting casting director who was working full time with YRF at that point. Yes, Raj Films. Okay. Abhimanyu Ray, and he was. Not just testing for powder, he was also testing people for the three other shows that were going to go into production. He was testing simultaneously for uh, Rocket Singh, Salesman of the Year, and whatever other films that were happening right, in at right. that point. And he had done Chakte. so he had these uh, interesting bunch of people, you know, whom he knew, and he started calling them in and. He made sure that there was no cross-pollination between these shows, you know. So every show has its own distinct cast. If you look at the four shows, like nothing goes from here. No actor goes from here to there. Except Manish Chaudhary, who was cast also in Rocket Singh and right. in Powder. So he had these very interesting people. And I met all of them, except Gitika, who was in my short film, through Abhimanyu for the first time. Right but he had tested them for different parts. And then, you know how the casting process evolves that you test them for something else. And then, you know, as you get to know them better, it sort of comes around for another part and then how things land up. Yeah.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Because I, I, I think even today, um, Nawed uh, Navid um, is probably, at least in my opinion, Tripathi's best work. And uh, perhaps it's because that's where um, I discovered him. But uh, I think that seems to be a widely acknowledged um, kind of um, uh, consensus that uh, Navid Ansari is um, probably one of his best works, if not the best works. So uh, thanks for, um, you know, uh, helping us discover uh, Pankaj Tripati as well. And then I really wanted to talk about uh, Giti Katyagi. What a wonderful actor. And I'm just surprised that we don't see her more often. Um, and uh, if you could talk about casting her as Brinda and Brinda's character as well, because um, that's a fascinating character. Uh, you know, she's fighting uh, so many battles. Um, she's fighting uh, work related um, stress. She's uh, battling harassment, like I said before, uh, in mean, constant kind of this um, effort in the background to marginalize um, her for being a woman. And then she's also kind of fighting her personal stress with her mother, bickering about marriage and beating the drum about settling down and all that. And she's a fighter. So uh, could you talk a little bit more about how you conceived that character?
1: So, I mean, if uh, while I was writing uh, Powder, there were two very inf- heavy influences on the character of Brinda. One was an investigating officer named Kanta Tejwani who's actually faced that harassment in the department. And then, you know, that first episode, it's verbatim the way she told me what happened in the room, what happened outside the room. And I just wrote that down as the scene fictionalized it a bit, dramatized it a bit. And the other person, because, you know, we had done a short film together, me and Gitika, and she was a strong contender for the movie that I was supposed to do with Apidiol as the female lead. So we were interacting a lot. And... Some of it was also from the experiences that she had faced, you know, I have like literally stolen lines from her experiences in journalism and, uh, and in the film industry and, uh, uh, you know, things like that, and just stole from her and just put it on the paper. And for casting her, I think she was the one who got rejected the most in every round by the studio. Oh, wow. Because somehow they wanted a softer-looking person who can evoke sympathy. And, you know, we kept testing her and they kept rejecting her. And we kept finalizing another actresses or so who would somehow uh, walk away from the show because of dates issues or money issues or whatever, you know. So, so, I mean, while we were rejecting her, there were other actresses who were rejecting us. And... (laughs) (laughs) And eventually, I mean, finally it came down to two girls. Both of them were very good a- actresses. One was Kitika and the other one I think, was Kashmira Irani, who then did, did another show, Seven. Okay. So what happened was that uh, when it was between these two, I gave Karthik Ganesha's, uh, who was the cinematographer on Powder, his reel to the studio. And in that showreel, the, the his diploma film from the Film Institute. Had Gitika in the lead, and they suddenly saw her in another light altogether, you know, which was not there in the audition Then, And I completely understand why actors hate screen testing and doing auditions because they just always look so bad. So, the reply that came back from the studio is like, We like the DOP, you can go ahead with it. And we also like Gitika in the film, so you can go ahead with her. And that's what that was. I see.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm just surprised that we haven't seen her. Uh, has, has she uh, done any movies?
1: I think the, she did a couple of films. You can check IMDb okay. for that. And she did another show called Bring on the Night, which was quite popular. It was, again, a limited series MTV thing. I see. I don't, I don't believe I've seen
0: that. I'll definitely seek that out. And uh, then a couple of uh, things, uh, going back to Brinda's character, I mean, um, uh, you know, she, I I always saw her as a fighter, as someone who is, uh, you know, fighting her own battles. And there was an interesting scene, uh, and, you know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but there is this scene where uh, she goes and uh, sees uh, Rakesh Bapat, who is a date, uh, I think, uh, set up by her mother. And uh, there is strapping on her hand, just like a, you know, street uh, boxer or a street fighter. You know, and when Rakesh uh, kind of shakes her hand, he kind of looks at it, as, you know, as if he doesn't expect to see that on her hand. Um, and I thought that was a pretty interesting scene. And was 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 that something deliberate that you did? Um,
1: yes. So, you know, I mean, he, she gives him the hand which is injured and, you know, right. he wants to shake it like a gentleman would shake a lady's hand, which is, right. Uh, but, and he doesn't know how, how can he shake that hand? How gently or how firmly, you know, because it's injured. But sure. the fact that she has offered it, irrespective, he he sort of goes for it on the on the second thought.
0: Right, right. And then <clears throat> uh, another scene, just just as an example of um, you know how much uh, this show kind of breaks uh, new ground. Uh, there is a scene where um, Usman is talking with Shiven, the new recruit. And, you know, he kind of casually asks him, uh, you know, are you married? Do you have a girlfriend? Do you have a boyfriend? And, um, you know, I thought that this is back in 2010. And so, you know, probably one of the earliest kind of efforts to kind of de-stigmatize, you know, same-sex relationships. uh, Just just another place I thought that, you know, the show was so ahead of its time. Now with all the streaming shows, um, a feeling that I get quite often is that, um, in order to emphasize the grittiness of a show, uh, profanity is just overdone, in my uh, opinion. And this is a show that, you know, could have easily kind of lost the plot with profanity. But, you know, obviously censorship, it's, uh, it was a different time and this was on television. But there is practically no uh, profanity or anything uh, of the sorts in this show, which was uh, quite remarkable, uh, given the theme of the show.
1: I mean, see, I'm very divided on that because I really love Bandit Queen, and you know when when the profanity happens in that film, it actually Ooh, totally. hits you. Yes. you. You know, yes. it's it's not done for the effect. It's the part of the violence. It's the part of the landscape. It's the part of the terrain. So, I mean, I don't know who the, who are the people who are doing it deliberately just for the effect, and who are the people who are doing it sincerely because yeah. their characters behave sure. so. But having said that, see, in my personal experience, so which there's an incident which I quote a lot whenever this uh, issue of profanity comes that one day me and Manish Chaudhary, we went to the Sessions Court, the NDPS courts, with Mr. Sanchez, who was sort of the consultant, the superintendent. And he had a date there, he had to, you know, like give his uh, deposition in a case. And we went there and he introduced us to some you know the guy in a pant shirt like nicely tucked in formal shoes and he shook hands and uh, he said would you like to have some tea in very clipped English so we said no and then that guy went away and I asked Mr. Sanchez is it one of your officers he said no that's the guy he's the smuggler against whom I have to give the deposition so both me and Manish you know, it took us <laughs> 10 seconds to recover from the fact that that language from that character you know just didn't sit together right so so i mean i think it's also uh, stereotypical of us to think of them as stereotypical people but they are not some of Absolutely. them are really right. well educated well conversed you know even if they don't know english you know just in their own hindi or mix of hindi urdu whatever they speak uh, they, they they speak well most of them Right, right, yeah.
0: I mean, it it kind of, uh, I think uh, the old school is that it, it's like white collar crime and, uh, you know, and the other um, side of crime. But I, I think it really kind of blends. Uh, that's what you're saying, right? I mean, it's its difficult to say that, you know, uh, just because he's a drug lord or just because he's a smuggler, you know, we, we have no idea what kind of background that person is from.
1: Yeah, so I, I'm saying there is a whole lot of there's a great deal of uh, mix of imagination the way we think of these characters I mean not just me or anybody working in sure. the movies and a lot of art taste informs upon how these people will speak so so if I enjoy or if I think it's entertaining enough to let them say some curse words I'll do that if it fits within the rhythm of my writing you know like it fits beautifully within Quentin Tarantino's writing and he uses it all the time to great effect sure but if it doesn't fit in somebody's uh, rhythm like let's say if Chris Nolan was supposed to to direct a gangster film at any given point in time it won't and it will become something else or like Godfather you know
0: right right so uh, when you were scripting this, uh, did you have this in the back of the mind that, uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm not going to have a free hand with the language, really, because this is going to be on, you know, Indian television circa 2010? Or uh, did you just say, you know, I will just write what I feel is the right language for the characters, and then we'll see, you know, uh, based on how the censorship, uh, you know, how the censor cuts go? Um,
1: I think, I, I mean, as far as the language of it was concerned, I wasn't. Worried about the censorship because it came to me organically the way it came and uh,
0: okay
1: yeah I was more worried about the censorship on the front of how much drug use can I show because that was not allowed you know and ironically it's the show about right. uh, drug smuggling and drug trafficking so that was something which we had to be very careful about right 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 Gotcha. like you can show a packet of cocaine but you cannot. Show anybody snorting it or anybody injecting heroin into their system, right those, right? those were the guidelines we had to be careful about. Gotcha.
0: And uh, uh do you know if those uh, guidelines are still um, uh, there, like even today, like if you want to show some, you cannot show yes, drug usage
1: on the network television, on satellite yeah. television, they are very much in place, yeah. Wow, that's that's uh, that's it's pretty standards right. and practices. Ah,
0: I see, okay well okay now uh, moving on uh, to Aurangzeb, um which uh, correct me if i'm wrong but this was your um, feature film directorial debut yes okay now um, let me just start with this great line i really like this line uh, khoon aur pasina niche behte paisa upar this is uh, this is such a, uh, like a Salim Javed line that could have easily been part of Trishul or Diwar, or at the same time, you know, it also sounds like uh, something that David Simon or David Chase might have written. Now, uh, I, I just wanted to talk about this line a little bit because it comes in very
1: early and in the picture. Be in that company. Yeah, sorry sorry can you repeat the question please
0: yes yes I, I just wanted to take a moment to talk about this line before we talk about the picture because it comes okay. very early in the picture and it that's where you know it, it it really grabbed me i said okay this is this is a movie i want to watch you know and uh, this uh, can you tell me a little bit more about how you wrote this line and um, is this like a riff on something that you had read somewhere or this is your um, kind of original thought so it's a
1: combination of two things i mean and all this is in hindsight you know when you're writing it sure. just comes out in the flow and then it comes out and then you don't know where it came from uh, because the the best of the ideas happen while you're in the process of writing you don't think them through at least not me so i didn't think that i'll write that cool line but but if you look at the certain facts that uh, a the movie is about bloodlines you know and heart Hardships, So it's definitely going to talk about blood and sweat. Now, as far as the flow of money is concerned, so I I don't know how familiar you are with uh, the rampant corruption in India, but I was once uh, oh, yes, yes. standing in a queue for a train reservation and the queue was like endless. It just didn't move for hours and hours and there were uh, touts standing right at the window who were getting tickets just like that. You know, because uh, so the touts pay money to the to the ticketing guy at the counter. And then the ticketing guy uh, kicks the cut upwards, you know, and then somebody told me it goes ah, all the way up to know. the ministry. So so there right. was somebody standing in that line next to me, one elderly gentleman, how the money is the only thing that flows upwards in this country and not, you know, from top to bottom. So I just mixed the two.
0: Awesome, Awesome. I really like that line. Now, um, Aurangzeb um, is essentially an action drama. For uh, people who have not seen this film, again, I highly recommend this uh, film. Again, this was kind of ahead of its time. Who knows? But uh, this is, this is just a great action drama. I mean, uh, it's it's uh, it's gripping and. And there are just uh, so many good things about it. And let's, let's talk about all of them. Uh, but for our listeners who haven't seen the film, I'll just try to sum it up in two lines, um, you know, which actually I bought from the film and the film's DVD. But uh, Atul, you can correct me if I'm giving uh, folks the wrong idea. So essentially, it's an action drama that centers around uh, two families on either side of the law. Uh, one family where the men are from the police force and the other family is essentially a criminal syndicate and uh, the catch is that the families are interlinked uh, through a shared past, and that's essentially the core of the story. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, guys, I highly recommend you uh, see this movie. Uh, I, I don't think it's on Netflix or Amazon, but you can certainly find this on uh, YouTube, and you can certainly find it on DVDs and uh, Blu-rays. So definitely do check it out. Uh, Atul, can you tell?
1: Yeah, it is us? on Amazon Prime, but I don't know whether it's available globally. And the sad oh, part, okay. it, it doesn't have English subtitles. So okay. if you know Hindi, yeah, so
0: you thanks, can watch it on for Amazon Thanks. Uh, could you talk a little bit about uh, how uh, the germ for this story and how this uh, came about?
1: Mm, I mean, this was rather quick. This was not something that just gestated for years. So after I'd finished Powder, I was supposed to direct a film for the same studio. And we had written, I mean, I had written another script, which we were pitching to the actors. And I sort of realized that, you know, the kind of material that I want to do, no, no A-list stars actually are looking at doing that kind of material. I mean, that's something I uh, yeah. still have. Right. Uh, you know struggle a bit because uh, also you know I think the films that I have grown up loving were not the films that did that well or the filmmakers I mean there's a whole long hypothesis on it and I can give it to you on another time or maybe later in this interview sure but but so that script was not going anywhere and I was uh, a bit Frustrated about the whole thing because the actors were reading just ten pages and fifteen pages, and they were saying, "Ah, there are no songs in it, there are no dances in it. What am I going to show to my audience?" Can you quickly
0: tell us what the genre was and uh, give us a little bit about this? On
1: on that film was an action adventure. Action adventure, okay. Yeah, without any songs, without any romantic tracks or anything. Great, great. That
0: I, I I would totally dig that. By the way. (laughs) <laughs> but that's, yeah, I can understand why that that's not, it doesn't have the mainstream appeal. And this was about 10 years ago. Right, right
1: 2011. So I just uh, thought to myself, okay, you know, it's not that the biggest studio in town decides to make my film and it will happen. It has some A-list star has to bite in it or potentially an A-list star, you know, who, who's on the way to that uh, level of stardom. And what is it that, you know, most stars cannot say no to? And it's a double role that they cannot say no to. So can I bring myself to do a double role film? And my answer to myself was, yes, of course. You know, Shakespeare has done double roles. So who who are you? (laughs) Sure, right. So I said, okay, then Shakespeare it is. And I'll combine each and every element that I've ever enjoyed in uh, shakespeare's plays because they were taught to us in school and i had a great drama teacher who had broken down every shakespeare play in one word so julius caesar is ambition sorry macbeth is ambition and hamlet is confusion and you right. know things right. like that and so, so and I you can tell that you are a ones. shakespeare fan
0: because uh, we'll come to that later but uh, yeah uh, please go ahead
1: yeah so i mean just those and synthesize so in half an hour i just cracked it like you know these right. two brothers and this that and let's mix some yalgar in it and some parinda in it and all that
0: and <laughs> right you know arjun kapoor is in the lead and, and by the way he's fabulous i don't know why he gets so picked upon so much uh, on social media and everything I, this was his uh, this was his second film right and yeah. he, he's not bad at all and i think he's another guy that doesn't get the credit but uh, going back to our discussion about Aurangzeb, uh, the character of uh, Ravi Kant Fogart and Rishi Kapoor. Uh, first of all, absolutely awesome casting. I mean, I I always uh, dig Rishi Kapoor in out-and-out great characters like Fogart, or um, you know what he did with D-Day, or um, back uh, you know in Coach, uh, which is another favorite movie of mine. Yeah. So i always yeah. love these kind of, um, you know, the, the stuff that he has done with Grey Shades. And um, I'll again quote a line from the movie, power, um, or And that's what Ravi Kanth Fogart is all about. Um, can you talk about uh, casting Rishi Kapoor in this? Have you always been a Rishi Kapoor fan? And um, talk a little bit about that character.
1: When I'm casting, I try and think of a person, especially if it's in a mainstream, you know, known face zone, who would actually be, who would have actually lived that life somewhat, what my character is.
0: Mm, Interesting.
1: And and in Rishi Kapoor, what I saw was, uh, you know, he's this, uh, he's been a part of a a family with a lineage and there is a, you know, he's almost like a patriarchal uh, figure in In just the figurative sense, not not in terms of his day to day dealings with his family, but right. just you know like the head of the family kind of a thing sure. and uh, yeah, that's what I thought like he'll get it fast, you know because he's been a part of a huge joint family, this family that was at the top of the power circle in the film industry, and what all that family has mm-hmm. gone through to keep their power intact you know through ups and downs of failing films and uh, mortgages gauges and then rising back up into the riches and all that so so he was the choice based on that for me but he heard the story and he said no to the part he said
0: it's oh, the most
1: wow. uh, dark film I've ever heard you know and I don't know why is uh, Mr. Yashopra producing it and why is Adi producing it I said you come two days later right? uh, what,
0: uh, this, was this
1: was before D-Day this was before D-Day okay So also he was like, I've just played a villain in uh, Agnipath. So I don't, I think you're typecasting me as a negative role. So he said, you come two days uh, later and then we'll just chat about it again. And I'll rethink, but I don't instinctively tells me I shouldn't do it. So when I went two days later, I, you know, mm, he said, what have you thought about? And I said, I've thought about, you know, pitching this film to you again. He said, <laughs> I said, uh, you know, this is mughal azam and I'm pitching Akbar to you. You know, the guy who would not shy away from going to war against his son because somewhere what the son is doing threatens his empire. You know, even if it's a silly thing as love with a courtesan. Let, me, let me
0: guess he loved that pitch.
1: Yeah, so he <laughs> said, uh, that's interesting because, you know, coincidentally, his grandfather played Akbar in that <laughs> right. film. And so he said, So what is this guy going to look like? And I had a photograph of Jack Nicholson from Pledge and I showed ah, him that. Okay. And I, I'm doing this film.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that had him sold, right? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And thanks for persisting with him because he he is just awesome in that. That's that's another thing about your writing, Atul. I must uh, compliment you there. Um, It's uh, I think your writing just gives uh, so many good actors a platform to just fly. Uh, It's uh, Rishi Kapoor in Aurangzeb, uh, Tripathi in Powder. Uh, We will talk about uh, Deepak Dobrial in Midnight, Lost and far but also yeah, but the flip side
1: of it is what I have realized with audiences that it needs time investment, you know, for those performances to really right, come boy. to the surface. You know, it needs that narrative time and and it's like I really love films of James Gray, but you know that that is yes, one yes. director who's really uh, having tough time in in the West. Yeah. yeah. In fact, when I was Preparing my notebook for Aurangzeb, I wrote James Gray on top of the page and I just circled it so that, you know, that becomes the the lighthouse to steer me uh, whenever I, was... I get lost in the plot and all that. Right, right, right. So that's also the flip side of that writing, you know, the writing that allows the acting to come to forefront. Right. Or the filming style that allows, you know, whether it's uh, No Country for Old Men or whether it's Godfather. I mean, you know, it requires a certain kind of time investment from from the audience also. Right.
0: Now, a couple of things about Aurangzeb. Um, I uh, thought, and maybe this is, again, not intentional. This is just my reading. But um, in both Powder and Aurangzeb, I found uh, there is a certain commentary on marriage, the institution of marriage. Uh, With uh, The example that I would like to cite in Powder uh, is... Uh, The marriages of Karthik and uh, Ashwini from DRI and Karthik's marriage is uh, You know able to survive the stress and the demands of his work Uh, while Ashwin's uh, marriage kind of breaks down under those uh, similar kind of uh, Stress uh, related to work and the lifestyle Uh, Am I reading too much into it or uh, is this something that you wanted to show?
1: Shortly uh, because I've grown up in a joint family, so I've seen a lot of marriages around me. So, sure, So, you sure. know, maybe that that rubbed off. But nothing in specific. I mean, you know, you see this, you observe people, and uh, and it's a very interesting uh, dynamic at play in India, in a you know, in a especially in urban living, or even in a in a semi-urban living, which is Aurangzeb, You know how how the home informs the work or how the home informs the character. And yes. uh, there is no, there is no separating one from the other. Yes, I mean, it could be an empty home, which has, where there is nothing to come back to, but that then also informs the character outside. So it's just that creating that, uh what's in the wings, you know, when we go out for our professions, we are, people on the stage, whether we are cops or whether we are doctors in the hospital or whatever, but, but the home is the wings, you know, and what's going behind the scenes is actually there. Absolutely. That's where, yeah.
0: Yeah. And similarly in Aurangzeb, uh, you know, I think there is something similar um, at play in Aurangzeb, at least for me as an audience, uh, that Harshavardhan's marriage kind of falls apart, but Ravi Khan's marriage is strong as ever because uh, his wife, beautifully played by Dipti Naval, is uh, almost a tacit partner in um, Ravikant's crimes, uh, you know, which uh, is uh, a perfect segue for me to move to a scene from the movie that I really like. It's the middle of the night scene between Dipti Naval and Rish Kapoor, where she kind of, you know, he's all rattled. And uh, he's unable to sleep, and he's catching a drink in the kitchen. And she uh, walks up to him, and she asks him if everything is all right. And she kind of backs him and instills uh, confidence in him. Uh, That was a beautiful scene, I thought. And, um, you know, I noticed this thing that you said uh, you're a fan of uh, Shakespeare. There are certainly shades of uh, Lady Macbeth uh, in Deepthi Naur's character as well as Amrita Singh's character. Uh, another scene from Aurangzeb where Amrita Singh is pretty much kind of threatening, uh, you know, Sasha Aga that um, uh, she will destroy her, um, and that's when we find out that you know it is her who has kind of set her up with Ajay, um, right. and she raises her left eyebrow. And what a beautiful scene that is! Amrita Singh, I mean, good God, lights out! What a scene!
1: Yeah, I mean, she's fantastic. I had great time working with her.
0: And both these characters, did you uh, kind of uh, see them as shades of uh, Lady Macbeth as well? Uh,
1: I can uh, say that, you know, just to sound a bit more intelligent. But I think it was something which was ingrained. Right. As right. far as the scene with Rishi Kapoor and uh, Depti is concerned, I'll go a bit more shallow and recent on that. And I'll tell you, there was a scene in Mystic River between Laura Limey and Sean Penn after he yes. has murdered uh, yes, yes, yes. Tim Robbins. Yes. And, you know she she goes telling that my I tell my daughters that their father is the king, and I must have seen that film that times, the of your mind you know? right, right. and I always wanted to do a scene like that where a wife could tell her husband like that, of course, in that she tells her after the murder in this case she doesn't uh, the novel's character doesn't even know what's on uh, what's on rishi Kapoor's mind, but also you know then it's coupled with the fact of uh, that my family came to India as uh, you know the result of partition from Karachi. I see. So their own survival, or you know, people uh, that entire community's survival, dependent on was dependent on making those choices. Of course, those choices didn't lead to murders and uh, killings. Right. But they definitely led to selfish choices, you know, in business and in homes and all those things. So it, it wasn't know in a, in a movie with cops and robbers, you know those choices would create scenarios of uh, murders and deaths. But I guess the underlying emotion is the same that when you have seen such hardship, you know what it takes to survive or stay at the top of the you know the food chain, so to say right right.
0: gotcha, right. And uh, going back to what you were saying about, uh, you know, when you uh, were thinking about this movie, there is a little bit of, you said, Yalgar, there is a little bit of Parinda. um, And uh, I I, I get this feeling that uh, you're a big fan of um, the 80s, uh, like the commercial Hindi cinema canon, you know, like Ghai, uh, Rakesh Roshan, and uh, Mukulanan kind of a school of uh, filmmaking. Because even the thread in um, Aurangzeb where the mother decides to take along with her the tween that she deems as more capable of dealing with the stripes of life. That I thought was a very kind of, it's it's like a hat tip to that old, um, you know, guy kind of a cinema. At least that's what I thought. It could be, see, I,
1: I mean, <laughs> coming back to that hypothesis that I was saying. So when I was growing up, I mean, these are the years that I was growing up. So these are the movies that I was watching because right. they were the ones getting made. And I come from a small town where there was hardly any presence of uh, foreign cinema, not even Hollywood that much. You know, whatever okay. Hollywood was there was dubbed in Hindi. So whatever I've seen between 80s or from mid-80s to mid-90s, you know, my school years. Because after that, I moved to Delhi and, you know, there was Hollywood always there. But that was what I was watching between the mid-80s and the mid-90s. And what made me want to become a filmmaker was the movies which, you know, the experience that started with Agnipath because mm. the 80s were at one end was this very, because that was the peak of video piracy, film industry was collapsing. Sure. sure. And there was no sort of aesthetical value to any of the movies that were being made. You know, so those you get because growing up in a family of uh, film buffs, they were all watching. Benegal and they were talking about Gurudath and they were watching Govind Nilhani, you know, the art house, the parallel cinema of the 70s, which actually happened before I was born, you know, but which was then accessible on television, which at that point felt boring. But, you know, when Agnipath came, which uh, sort of gave a certain character to the city of Bombay because he put up the set of an entire uh, slum inside a mill which had black walls and all that. Then came Parinda, which again, so they started, you know, infusing uh, very artistic sensibilities within the mainstream. And that was something very new, you know, with Agnipath and Parinda. And I think that trend went on between Mukul Anand, Ram Gopal, Varma, Mani Ratnam, Vitu Vinod Chopra. And those became my heroes, then afterwards it was uh, Sanjay Dila Bansal, who was actually making song and dance, but he was doing it so well. Right. With know. a certain but aesthetic. I, sense. Yeah. With great aesthetic sense, and I think where it sort of uh, came to and collapsed was De- Devdas, because after that, you know, sort of ambition became a a bad word. So mm-hmm. also I think post that making movies became just so easy, with digital and all that. And, the studios came in and everybody wanted a faster turnaround. Like you Sanjay Vansali could take forever in making Devda.
0: <laughs> yes. Know, so
1: yes. I mean he's still somebody who has that power, but but you know, that kind of style of filmmaking where you could spend a certain kind of an effort to make the movie of a certain artistic value. Also, I think uh, there's the you know too many options also confuse you. So I was with Mr. Mani Ratnam once and I asked him, so did you call for special lenses for shooting Roja and all? He said, no, we always just made do with whatever was available with the vendor. You <laughs> right. know, one of the greatest looking films of all <laughs> yeah. time. And I've seen people stressing and stressing over the quality of lights and lenses and cameras and this test and that test. And then when you see the film, right, <laughs> nothing shows. Yes, yes. Yeah, I
0: remember. <clears throat> I um, was it Coppola or uh, I forgot, or if it was uh, it was either uh, Coppola or uh, I think it was uh, Cassavetes, Sorry, not Coppola. And I think Cassavetes once said that you know classics are essentially um, accidents. You know, uh, over time they kind of become classics, but you know, and then people will read all kind of stuff into it that this right. was a masterstroke and everything. But essentially, when it took place, it was just a one big accident that it just uh, was happenstance. <laughs> And that was the first part of my chat with Atul Sabarwal. Make sure you check out the second part next week in which we talked about his lovely short Midnight Lost and Found and his documentary In Their Shoes. I also asked him about film appreciation in the wake of the Me Too movement. And we chatted about other fun cinephile stuff where Atul spoke of his fondness for Raj Kacche Dage and I asked him about remaking Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, one of my favorite films. Atul also had some great advice for young storytellers. All of that in the second part. So don't forget to listen in next week. If you like the first episode, do tell your friends and share a link to the podcast. Our podcast is now widely available on all major platforms. You can also find all episodes on our YouTube channel. Please do subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them. Also, do let us know your feedback. We'll be all ears. You can follow me on Twitter at loveofcinemasf 8 That's our episode, folks. Hope you liked it. Until next week, this is Himanshu signing off. Thank you for listening to the Love of Cinema podcast.